Thanks for checking out this week's podcast from Center Street Church. We pray it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. I recently had an eye exam. It was no surprise to me when I was told I needed a stronger prescription. And what a difference those new glasses made. I could see again. There have been other times in my life when I haven't been able to see clearly, so to speak, when I lived only for myself. My goal was to squeeze the most fun out of life, and boy did I ever. Then the hard times came. I lost my well-paying job and the money and the prestige that came with it. You could say I lost everything that I believed gave me meaning or value. Little did I know that this would end up being one of the most impactful times of my life. During that time, a good friend began to walk alongside and disciple me. He showed me that I'm significant because I've been made in God's image. That's it. This has changed everything. It has given me a new purpose. I no longer live just for myself. I once was blind, but now I see. Well, good morning and a big hello to all of you here at Central Campus and those of you who are joining us online today. Uh, I just wanted to say a big hello to all of my friends in grade school who have joined us this morning. Uh, It is such a gift for us to worship together as a big church family. So I trust you were blessed this morning as our children came and sang about Jesus, the light of the world. Yeah, it's awesome. And as you saw, singing in children's ministries is part of a healthy weekly workout. And so we encourage you, feel free to come by. We'd be happy to be part of your uh, workout regime. (laughs) Uh, It's also an honor for me to be here with you today uh, because it comes on the heels of an incredible week that we had here in children's ministries as part of our CS camps. Uh, It was our Cave Quest week. And this week was an unbelievable week where we saw God move in a very powerful way in the hearts of our kids. And, you know, I don't know if you knew this, but we have waiting lists for children to get into camp. And we had volunteers this year who took an entire week of vacation for them to come and serve here with us and to bless a child. And so I just wanted to ask you to consider next year already, I know we're already talking about next summer, but to start planning when you look at your calendars, to start looking in there and saying, okay, what are we going to do next year, next summer, and how can we get involved and maybe make a difference in the life of a child, but also I know through it, you will be changed as well. Uh, So as many of you know, last time I was here, I was talking about how Arian and I, we were expecting our fifth child. And on July the 11th, uh, just 12 days ago, our daughter Elise Grace Shore was born, and Arian and her are doing great, uh, which is really exciting. Yeah. And for those of you who are wondering, I'm doing okay as well. And, (laughs) you know, I love being a dad of five awesome kids and raising them with my best friend, Arian, and my wife. Uh, I just wanted to thank you for thinking of us, for asking us how we're doing, but then also for praying for us over the last little while as we've adjusted to this new life of all of these kids. Uh, It is just a blessing for us uh, to serve you and to be part of our church family. We are in the middle of a series uh, where we're looking at Jesus' invitation to follow him. And we're also looking at what it means to follow Jesus. Of all the things that Jesus said, I am convinced that nothing describes more vividly what it means to uh, to follow Jesus than the command that he gave to his disciples, which includes all of us, that we find in Matthew 28, 19. So I want to ask you just to stand together this morning as we read this portion of Scripture. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the, the gift of children. Thank you, God, for the joy and laughter that they bring to our lives. And God, I pray this morning as we dig into your word that, God, you would speak to us clearly. Open our eyes, open our hearts to what you want us to hear today. Holy Spirit, may you be very present here today. God, may you use this time we have together to help focus us, focus us on what it means to follow you. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So when Jesus said to go and make disciples, he was essentially saying, follow me by passing on your faith. He was saying, nothing is going to give you greater significance or fulfillment or meaning in life than introducing people to me, beginning with those that are closest to you, like your children or your friends or your family. And that is what I'm going to be focusing on this morning in our message, is how to influence others to follow Jesus. And in particular, I want to focus on how to influence your children or your spiritual children or your family of friends and those that are in your sphere of influence to follow Jesus. Now, as we've learned in the past, discipleship at its core is all about influence. We, we can't change a person's heart because only God can do that. All we can do is influence them and show them how to live a Jesus-shaped life. 1 Corinthians 13 teaches that the greatest way to influence others is the way of love. 1 Corinthians 13.2 says, If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. In other words, if you don't have love, you're not going to influence anyone. Galatians 5, 6 says that in this life, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. In short, the greatest and most effective way of passing on your faith is through loving those around you. And it's not a fake love or a trivial love, but a genuine, trust-filled love. A love that comes from here that's real and consistent. So I just wanted to give a quick recap of what this looks like practically to live this out in our day-to-day -day lives. And you'll notice that the first three principles we're going to be talking about are actually from our Passing It On series. And today we're going to talk about the fourth point and final point for that series, which ties awesome to what we're going to be talking about today in our Follow Me series. So as we pointed out last time, if we want to influence people, in particular our children, to follow Jesus, the first thing that they need to see is that our love for God is real. Now in the Old Testament, we read how the Hebrew people, they got distracted by the culture and they got distracted by lesser things. And they failed to do something so important to pass on their faith. And this was such concern to God that through Moses, in Deuteronomy 6.5, we read God's message to the Hebrew people. He says this, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Do you see the progression in this verse? God says passing on your faith begins with a genuine friendship and relationship with him. I can only pass on what is real in my life. If it's not happening in me and to me, then it's not going to happen through me. If our faith isn't real, those in our sphere of influence, including our children, will not receive it and will not follow it. On the other hand, if our love for God is real, in Deuteronomy 6 it says it will become part of our DNA. It will just come out of us. It, it will ooze out of the pores of our life in everything that we do when we're lying down, when we're walking along the side of the road. Secondly, 
if we want to influence people, including our children, to follow Jesus, then we need to see that they need to see that our love for our spouse is real. In Ephesians 5:25, Paul says this: Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave up, gave himself up for her. People's trust in us hinges on how consistent they perceive our character to be and that it will be determined in a large part by how they see us treat those that are closest to us. And this is especially true for our children. If they see us mistreat their mother or father or someone that is close to them, someone that we work with, maybe someone here at church or maybe someone like a neighbor in our community, if they see us disrespect authority or maybe refuse to apologize, or hold a grudge, or maybe slander, or grumble about something. Their trust in us is going to be diminished, and our influence in their lives will also be diminished as well. Now on the other hand, if they see us loving and respecting our spouse, and other important people in their lives, they will see but also believe that our love for them is real, and it's trustworthy as well. You know, I was blessed, every, last time we talked about this, I was blessed to get emails and phone calls from many of you telling me about what, the changes that were happening in your home because you were living out this principle of showing that your love for your spouse or your significant others was real. I had a dad phone me, and he said, Matt, you're never going to believe it. He says, I came home this entire week, and every time I came home, my wife gave me a hug, and she kissed me and told me how much she loved me. And then he said jokingly, it wasn't even my birthday. (laughs) And then uh, I had a wife who emailed me, and she said, you will not believe the change that has happened in my husband. He has purposely gone and showed appropriate affection with my kids. He is loving them and caring for them. And we are showing affection in front of our kids, something we've never done before. Showing your kids and those around you that your love for your spouse is real gives your children much needed sense of security and peace and belonging. Thirdly, if we want to influence people, including our children, to follow Jesus, they need to see that our love for them is real. Unless people see that our love for them is genuine, we're not going to even get past the first step to influencing them and passing on our faith. Ephesians 5.1 says this, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This passage is calling us to love others the way Christ loves us. He died for us and he loves us unconditionally. Our children especially need to receive this kind of love from us. God's unconditional love is like the father of the prodigal son. Even though his son made some terrible decisions, even though his son lived a wasteful and immoral life, Even though his son embarrassed this father and disappointed him, his father never stopped loving him. And I just want to add that when your child or your teenager, maybe your adult child, comes to you broken because because they are now reaping the consequences of their bad actions or bad decisions and are now facing hardship as a result, the last thing that they need to hear in that moment is a lecture from us. What they need to hear from us as their parents or their spiritual parents is for us to say it's okay and for us to love them. What they need is a shoulder to cry on and talk it through. But more importantly, they need to be reminded that their heavenly Father loves them. And will never leave them. God's unconditional love is not based on merit. It's not based on performance or perfection. 
It's not based on earning his love and acceptance. No, it is based on the fact that we are his children. We are his sons and daughters of the Most High God. He is the one who deeply loves us, who will be there for us no matter what. He is the one who wants us to come to him in all things. Unconditional love is an irrational love. It says, I am going to love you no matter what. When I was 16 years old, I got my driver's license. And it was the first day of high school for me. And I picked up my brother John next door at the junior high school. And we went to a popular fast food chain. And at this popular fast food chain, they had very large sizes of drinks. And so I didn't get the large or the extra large. I got like the jumbo size. They had even one bigger than extra large. A jumbo size Coke. And so my brother and I, we were in the process of driving home. And out of nowhere, this fire truck pulls up behind us with its lights flashing. And so of course I pull over. And in the process, I hit a bump causing this jumbo-sized Coke to go flying everywhere inside of our van. And specifically on the inside of the vehicle, right where John was sitting. And so as a responsible youth, instead of stopping, I just kept driving. And I told John, I'm like, John, clean it up. And he's like, oh my goodness, my shoes are getting wrecked. Because it was the first day of school. And he was freaking out about it. And so I'm like, oh my goodness, we are going to be in so much trouble because the van is getting wrecked. So I just did what any responsible young adult would do. I just kept driving and then started to clean it up as we're driving, right? I'm like, clean it up. So anyways, that's happening. And while I'm doing that, I happened to veer over and I jumped the curb and then our vehicle hit a pole. Well, we sideswiped a pole and our mirror flew off. <laughs> and in that moment, we decided it would be a great time to stop. <laughs> and, and I remember me like this and us standing there, sitting there and we look at each other and we didn't even say anything. We just knew we're dead, right? We're dead. <laughs> So we knew we had to go tell mom and dad. So we went home and I showed mom and I don't remember exactly how she responded, but I do remember what she said. She said, you are going to need to phone your father. <laughs> Not your dad, but your father. <laughs> yeah. So then I phoned my dad and I said, dad, the important thing is that we're all okay. <laughs> Just remember that. <laughs> And then I proceeded to tell him what happened. And then there was the silence on the end of the phone. And it probably wasn't more than five seconds of silence, but you know, it felt like that eternity forever for him to speak. But the words that he spoke next to me were words I will never forget. He said, son, I'm happy you're okay. It's just a van. We're gonna get it fixed. And that day I learned that despite the disappointment that he had, that despite the financial burden now that I had placed on my family to fix our vehicle, I was still loved unconditionally by my dad. Unconditional love is a spoken word. It's a touch. It's a look. A simple action that says, I love you. I care about you. I believe in you. I'm proud of you. And I accept you. Unconditional love desires God's very best for them. Its intention is to build up, to encourage, and to give confidence in the life of your child. It communicates that you are valuable not only to me, but you are more valuable to God. We bless our children and those around us immensely when they know that our love for them is real. And finally, if we want to influence others, including our children, to follow Jesus, then they need to see that our love for others is real. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine, Jesus said that the second greatest commandment is like the first. We are not only to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind, but we are also to love your neighbor as yourself. 
In Acts 2, we read how the early church, they enjoyed the favor of the entire community of, of people. They won that favor because they loved and they served and they sacrificed for them. And in time, God used these, this early church, the early believers, to transform not only their community, but to transform the entire world. And this is one of the fundamental reasons why we're still here and we're not in heaven. Our purpose is not, our purpose in this life is, it's not about us. It's not about personal fulfillment. It's not about a career or happiness. No, it's, it's to love God and it's to love others. Our purpose is to love those around us, our children and our friends and our family members and our co-workers. To love them in such a way that they will see Jesus in and through us. That they will be drawn to know and to want to love and care about the Jesus that we say we know and love. You know, I have the joy of leading and serving alongside our guest services team in children's ministries. And this team is awesome. They love fa new families that are coming to our church. And they help them get checked in. They help them find their rooms. And they help them check out safely. And one of the, they, they are passionate people that care deeply about those that are coming. They're, they want to show the love of Jesus to everyone by what they say and by what they do. And sometimes you never know if what you're doing is making a difference. And this Christmas Eve, we saw a little glimpse of what passionately caring for and showing the love of Jesus, the impact that was making in people's lives. We had a family attend our church for Christmas Eve, and it was this family's first time here. The mom was a believer, but the father and all of her children were not. I caught them at the end of the service, and I just said, hey, how did it go? And she said with a big smile on her face, oh, it was awesome. It was like they were speaking right to us today. And then she said these words. Because of how we were treated, how we felt loved and cared for, my husband said he would like to come back because this is a place he feels at home. You never know the impact you're going to have in the life of another person. We can talk about being a lot of things for Jesus, but at some point we have to start living out what it means to know and to love and live all out for him. The reality is, is that our children and our spiritual children, we can, they can read in the Bible and we can remind them a, a thousand times that they are supposed to love others. But the real question is, what do they read when they read our lives? Do they read the story of a life that genuinely and passionately seeks to love and serve other people and point them to Jesus? Or... Do they see a life devoted to other things, to temporary things? Our work, our vehicles, our vacation properties, our leisure activities, our possessions, our positions of power, our trophies. A life devoted to the love and admiration of friends and family. In their recent book on marriage, You and Me Forever, Francis and Lisa Chan, they write this. Our children will pick up who or what it is we truly worship. Based on their interactions with North American Christians, they say far too many couples are putting the good life ahead of God. They are putting their marriage ahead of God. And too many parents are putting their children ahead of God. And the fallout from this is tragic. Research tells us that when kids grow up in a nice, comfortable, church-going church home where the family and children are idolized, when they grow up in that kind of environment, over 50% of those children do not follow Christ when they get older and they will walk away, when they, away from Jesus when they turn 18 years old. And it's not that they don't love their parents 
It's because they don't know and love Jesus. Because in a large part, Jesus isn't real to their parents and now isn't real to them. In Matthew 10, 37, Jesus said some incredibly convicting words that have been in my mind like crazy since I read them. Anyone who loves their father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. I want to be clear that in this passage we just read, Jesus is not saying that we should not love and care for our family. Because there are multiple passages in the Bible in Ephesians 5 and 6 and other places where we read that marriage and the family, they are important to God. But what he is saying is that we should not worship our family. We should not make anything ahead of God. He is the only one that is worthy of our worship and our highest adoration. He is the one who knows us best and knows that if we put anything above him, we are going to be living outside of what God designed us and created us to be. We're going to be restless. We're going to be unfulfilled. We're going to feel incomplete because true rest can only come from God. This may explain why research tells us that there are record numbers of youth and young adults that are bored with life. And I believe that this is because they do not have a compelling mission to be living for. For instance, approximately 12 years ago, I was on our youth staff team here, and I had the joy of leading mission trips to Mexico. And on one specific missions trip, I was leading a group of over 100 senior highs, high school students, um, down to Mexico to build some houses, to do some community rebuild, uh, re uh, community beautification work to minister to children and to youth, but then also to provide some encouragement and support for one of our partner churches. Now, I want you to think about this. We drove to Mexico in a heat wave. On, old, on an old bus and old vehicles where the air conditioning worked when it wanted to, and there were no DVD players playing in the vehicles. And I can tell you that we didn't stay in a fancy hotel or even a hostel when we were in Mexico. We camped in tents on a sandy field <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. There was no hot water to shower with. And the nicest thing that we had access to was a toilet that flushed. Now... There were no luxuries, no stimulating technologies, no video games, no Pokemon Go apps or anything like that that we have today. But it amazed me that not once did I ever hear any whining or any complaining about being bored. I didn't hear anyone say anything about being picked on or about being left out by others. Now, why do you think that was? Why is it when youth or young adults or adults or even families are on mission together, do they feel closer to God and each other than they ever did back home? And I believe it's primarily because just like the youth on that mission trip, we are all looking for something more than the pursuit of pleasure, more stuff, the latest app, and mind-blowing activities that we are all bending over backwards to try and get. Deep down inside, we all want to know and love God and give our lives to those things that are going to account for eternity. And, and when we are on mission, when we are on mission, we experience the thrill of introducing people to Jesus and we witness firsthand how Jesus transforms a life. And we never feel more alive because deep down inside we know we were made for this. But here's the thing. You don't have to go overseas to be on mission. 
And it's great to be able to go to on a mission trip in another country or in another city in North America. But you and your family or your friends, and you, you can be on mission right here in Calgary. For instance, quality family time is not solely about just having a party or playing games or having a movie night or maybe doing fun activities on the weekend. Those are really important. Don't get me wrong. But quality family time as a family or a group of friends or as a community group can also include being on mission together. It is together serving our church community here in times of celebration and in need. It is together serving our children and our youth and our young adults and our adults who are seeking God, that are coming to our community groups, who are coming here to hear about the good news of Jesus Christ. It is together serving and reaching out to whomever Jesus is bringing into our lives at work, at school, and in our neighborhoods. And I know many of you with young children are thinking, Matt, this is great, but how on earth am I supposed to be on mission when I've got young kids with nap schedules and I can barely get up in the morning and barely exist for the day? How on earth are we supposed to do that as a family or as, as a group of families? I have two excellent resources that we're going to make available online on our website this week. And I encourage you families to go on there and download, download them because they are simple but they are amazing open windows for you to engage, to be on mission. And these are doable ideas that you can practically engage and show that your love for others is real. If you do this, if you get on mission, not only will you and your marriage and your relationships and your community group, will, not only will they come alive, but your children and your youth will no longer be bored with life and their Christian experience, they will find significance. They will find purpose, and they will find meaning. Don Miller tells the true story of a 14-year-old girl who was bored with her life. She started to dress all in black and wear white makeup and kind of look gothic. And she started using illegal substances and then started dating a boy who was antisocial and had little to no ambition. The girl's father was distraught, and he didn't even know what to do. So in desperation, this father came to Don, and, and he said, he listened to the story, and Don said, okay, wait. It seems to me that your daughter finds the idea of dating this particular boy more exciting than the life and the mission of your family. That statement hit that dad like a ton of bricks. And that day that father made a decision to stop being religious and going through the motions. And he decided to get serious and start living out what he actually believed. And so for the next three weeks, this dad researched how he could practically be on mission and show that his love for others was real. That following Jesus was something that you do and not just talk about. During his research, this dad found that there was a particular town in Mexico that badly needed $25,000 for an orphanage. So he called a meeting of his entire family and he sat them all down and said, Today's a new day, my friends. It's a new day because today we are going to start building an orphanage in Mexico. The kids thought that he had lost his mind and they asked a whole bunch of questions and in that process, the dad said, no, 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 I don't think you understand. If we don't do this, these orphans are going to die. We must do this. So after a while and more questions, eventually everyone realized that dad was serious and he wasn't going to give up. So one day, this 14-year-old daughter came up to the dad and said, Hey, dad, I, I could probably help out using my Facebook page to generate more interest. And maybe we could raise some money for this orphanage. The family would continue to meet together on a regular basis. And on, during one of these family meetings, one of the other daughters in this family suggested, Hey, we could go 
and visit this little town and see where we're going to build the orphanage and meet the people and see the impact that we're going to have. And so they did that. Before long, this entire family began to really catch a vision for a new venture of faith. And it was sometime later when this 14-year-old girl came up to her dad and said, Dad, I, I just want you to know that I broke up with him, with that boy. Inside, the dad was like, yes! But re and really, he was, oh, well, why? That's, why? Oh, right? Why would you do, why did you break up with him? And then she said, Dad, we have been going in two different directions. He's definitely not the guy for me. All he does all day is play video games. When we are trying to save orphans in Mexico. This is a small picture of what can happen when you decide as an individual or as a family or a family of friends to live on mission for Christ and to love people. When you go to the Lord and you pray, God, here we are. Who do you want us to love today? Who do you want us to serve today? Who do you want us to reach out to? Who is it on our street, in our neighborhood, in our city, or even here in our church, in the section that you're sitting in today? Who, God, do you want us to love today? Who is it that you want me to care for? Who is it that you want me to show your love and your grace and your mercy to today? Who needs to hear a word from you? Not everyone is called to build an orphanage or to start a nonprofit or to start a social justice initiative, or to do what the world would define as great things. Most of us are called to do what many would see as ordinary things, the everyday things. I just want to stress that in the eyes of God, the ordinary, everyday things that all of us do here in Calgary, they are as important to accomplishing his kingdom purposes. And they play a key role in bringing unity and significance to families and to community groups. Jesus uses everything, everything that we do to accomplish his purposes in this world. And he is looking throughout the entire world right now. He is looking at you today. For those of you who will say yes to his invitation to follow him. I have the privilege of serving alongside amazing volunteer teams in children's ministries each week. And these, these people are committed to loving and serving and caring for and sharing the love of Jesus with our children that come here week after week. And I also get to welcome new volunteers that are joining our teams. And I, and I run our orientation to tell them about why we exist in children's ministries. And during one of these orientations, I met a lady named Melody. I was able to share why children's ministries exist and how we're practically living out Jesus' mission to go and make disciples. And while we're talking, Melody's eyes started to fill up with tears. God had been speaking to her for a while and was asking her to step out and be on mission and make an impact for him in the kingdom. An impact that would prove to give her and others a great purpose. Give them significance and give her hope. Melody started serving with us and it wasn't shortly thereafter that her husband DJ started serving with her as well as a couple. Let's watch this quick video about how saying yes to Jesus' invitation to following him has changed them. Their lives, their family, and those around them. Let's watch. We weren't quite connecting the way we wanted, and I think that's what was missing was this, the serving aspect. And we discussed it a lot, and we said, you know, we really need to, to get involved somewhere. And we know with the size of the church, it's, there's so many ministries. And it wasn't until Matt put out a call, I think winter of 2014, I think it was just this wake-up call of like, no, like, we need to be a part of this. To hear from parents after, you know, a couple of weeks, 
that's all you could talk about was coming here this week, or mm -hmm. this is their, her favorite part of, of her week. So that makes you feel really good because you, you at least have a sense that what you're doing is making an impact. The best part is when we get into the worship and story time. That's when the, uh, that's when I just, I, I, that's my favorite part. That's the part I love is when the kids are out there and we're singing and we're dancing and we can all be a little bit goofy. You know, so the fact that people are, you know, that, that parents are happy and their children are happy. And I think that's where that ripple effect you're going to feel because they're going to take that enthusiasm home. I think, um, one of the lessons she learned was singing and she goes to daycare during the week and um, she taught one of her friends at daycare how to sing Jesus Loves yes. Me and she came home and told us and yeah. she was so excited about that. And just the wonderful things that she remembers and she can talk about uh, when we do our devotions. She, she can put things together and I don't think that I was so aware at that age that they could do that before we started volunteering and before we really started, you know, making that commitment to taking a look at what was going on. And so I think for us, there's that change. So our devotion time as a family has certainly been impacted by it and it's elevated it to, to something very special. Mm -hmm. When I'm at work and those kind of stuff, I feel myself being a little bit more more loose and a little bit more um, open mm -hmm. and uh, both speaking about Jesus mm -hmm. to those around me and uh, sharing his love because I see that through the kids and we see that through our through our daughter doing that and I'm like I think that is so great that nothing inhibits them from doing that and that we should not have that either and I think with me it's allowed me to be a little bit more um, open and sharing with others and, uh, and I think serving this way has allowed us to do that because it kind of initiates a conversation too because we talk about how we share, how we serve at church and then people are like, well, what do you do? And then we explain to them about the Sunday school and then it just kind of opens up a, a, whole, a whole door there. Jesus opens it up. Just being able to share what we do with our friends, people that are maybe non-believers, they ask you why. It's, it's not just because it's the right thing to do, it's because I have a, have a calling for it. And I know that I, I tell a number of my colleagues who um, are not necessarily believers and to them they, they think Sunday morning volunteering is why would you do that and, I'm, mm -hmm. and I always say it's like the best two two and a half hours of my week outside of spending time with my husband and daughter. Our prayer life too has been has definitely improved a lot lately from what it has been we take more time to pray. Uh, because you know what it's something that you won't regret it's something that you won't look back on and say oh why did I do that <laughs> You'll be like, why did I not step out sooner to do that? In terms of just being able to serve, I think it sets our family up um, so that our daughter understands that, you know, this is important, volunteering is important, and that at some point in time she'll, you know, will help support whatever she would hopefully like to do over at Center Street. I'd say this, if you're interested in the sooner you take that leap of faith, there'll be a place for you. Your mm -hmm. talents will not will be utilized to the fullest and you will learn more about yourself in two hours than you ever, in a week, than you ever thought you could. Isn't that a great reminder of what happens when a family's on mission? You saw in that video how DJ and Melody's lives were changed, how they found new meaning and purpose and significance and in their marriage and in their lives personally, but also in their family. It makes a difference. I'll close with this. When Jesus invited us to follow him, to embrace his mission of making disciples, he was giving us the key to experiencing a fulfilling and significant life. And he was also giving us the key to a rich and meaningful friendship and family life. So I ask you today this very important question. What story are you creating with your family, with your children, with your group of friends that is inspiring or compelling? What story are you writing that is making a difference now but also will have an impact for eternity in the kingdom of God? God has placed something in each of you 
on each of your hearts that you need to do, that you need to engage in, that you need to step into with God's help to achieve. I had a very specific prayer for you this week that God would be reminding you right now in this service and in this moment of that one thing that he has been asking you to do but you haven't done it yet because you are fearful you are afraid or maybe you just don't want to do it it could be a ministry that he wants you to be involved in it could be a person or a family that he wants you to reach out to and to start loving and caring for it could be a step of obedience by getting baptized could be an act of forgiveness in a strained relationship or it could be as simple as spending time with your heavenly father in a daily meeting with him each day I know your calendars are full make sure that what's in your calendar week by week reflects the priorities of Jesus the things that are going to matter in the end the things that are going to bring you fulfillment, the things that are going to bring you joy and peace and significance in your life. I just saw in my Bible as a video was ending, do not forget, my friends. God says, despite your fear, despite your insecurities, despite your reasons for not following what he wants you to do, it says here in Matthew, I am with you always to the very end of the age. There was an old father who wrote the following words as he reflected on his life. He said, when I was younger, I wanted to change the world. I found it was difficult to change the world, so I I tried to change our nation. When I found I couldn't change our nation, I began to focus on our town. And then when I couldn't change the town, I realized, as an old man, I guess I'll try to change my family. But now that I'm older, I realize the only thing I could change was myself. I now realize that if long ago I, ch- I had changed myself, I could have made an impact on my family. And my family and I could have made an impact on our town. Their impact could have changed our nation And perhaps then, I could have changed the world. So today, my challenge to you is to follow through on whatever God brought to your mind today of the very thing He has been asking you to do, but you have said no, or you've been putting it off. Just know that when you say yes to Him, and obedience walk into what he is asking you to do, you are going to experience the joy and the excitement and the fulfillment and passion and significance that comes from loving and caring for the very thing that God treasures most, which is people. Your lives will be different as you engage as individuals, as friends or families into the mission that he has been calling you to and all of us to, which is to introduce people to Jesus and to help them to become fully devoted followers of him. I'll ask you all just to stand now as we close our time together. As you stand, I just ask you, close your eyes, put your hands out in front of you. And I want you to ask God these two, these important questions. God, what are you saying to me today? What is that one thing you've been asking me to do that I haven't done? And what do you want me to do about it?
Let's pray. Father, the Bible says that there is joy across heaven when one person turns to you and receives Christ as their Savior. My goodness, heaven must have been a loud place this week as we celebrate the lives of children that were transformed here at camp because of you, Jesus. Because of you touching them. Because of you speaking to them and giving them the courage to say yes to you. For every life that is here today that has been redeemed and reclaimed and adopted into your family, for every heart that has been open to the love of Jesus Christ, for everyone who has said yes to you today to follow through on what you have been asking them to do. Today, God, we give you our thanks. Thank you for hearing us. Thank you for being patient with us. Thank you for guiding and directing us. Thanks for what you're doing in our church and in the lives of our people, God, that we get to witness you moving amongst us. Thank you for the reminder today that you are in the business of changing lives. God, we ask that you would continue this great work that you've started in and through us as we love you and those around us with all that we have. God, may it be for your glory and for the sake of a hurting world that desperately needs you, who is the very one that we know and that we love. God, today we pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his precious peace as you say yes to that very thing he has been calling you to do. In the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has impacted you. We'd like to challenge you to take it one step further and get connected. For any questions or prayer, please visit our website at cschurch.ca. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter.